The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. We have our reporter's notebook in this podcast featuring Mark Morehouse, who has some last thoughts on the Michigan State loss and previews Iowa's upcoming road game against the Purdue Boilermakers. You'll also hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Purdue's Danny Hope. This Hawkeye's Mike program is one in a series of our three weekly podcasts this year, which include regulars Brent Balbinot and Marv Cook, as well as numerous guest commentators and reporters. Well, isn't that special? Hawkeye's Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and choose not to get sick. Remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. HawkeyesMike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who talks about the Purdue Boilermakers and the difficulties they pose for his Iowa team. You know, they're an excellent football team, really uh, playing well right now, coming off a big win. They, they've uh, looks like they've gotten better with each week. And a couple of things jump out, I think, about Purdue. We haven't played them now in a couple of years, as you know. Uh, I remember back in 09, uh, just kind of following what they were doing, and it's really significant that year. As we got ready for Ohio State, it was a real good tape to watch there. They played very well against Ohio State, beat Ohio State that year, also beat uh, uh, Michigan. You know, it's a pretty good accomplishment to beat those two schools in one season. Last year, I know they had a lot of injuries, but you know, if you look at the end of the year, they were still playing hard and playing very very well. And then certainly this year, they've had some great home wins already with Ohio State, Illinois, Minnesota uh, on their ledger. And they went out to Purdue, I believe, or excuse me, Penn State. I think it was a week after we played. Two weeks after, I believe it was a week after. And, you know, gave them a heck of a game. And uh, we know how tough they are. So, you know, they've got a good football team. They've got depth and productivity at quarterback. Certainly an experience there. The, the quarterbacks are both playing very well. Excellent running backs. The receivers are really talented. And so they're really a tough team to defend. And defensively, playing very aggressively, which is what they've done in the past. Looks reminiscent of that. And they're starts up front they've got a real dominant front four certainly and two of those players are recognized by the Big Ten player the player of the week honors last week so tribute to those guys too and then on special teams leading the conference on kickoff returns it's as good a return team as we've seen uh, three excellent returners and their field goal kicker probably has the strongest leg I can't imagine anybody's got a stronger leg in the country than he does so yeah, we got a lot to get ready for. Ferentz was asked about the fairness of his team having to end the regular season with back-to-back road games. Yeah I hadn't thought about that one either Maybe I should think put that on my list for postseason, but uh, I'm more focused on, I think it's whatever, nine or ten of our openers have been on the road. That, that I know it's more than half, you know. I don't know if that's good or bad. I'll have to go back and track it, but uh, I've always looked at it like once you get that out of the way, you get the home field advantage, right? You got four out of three, or four and three the rest of the way. So, But I can't put a positive spin on this one. 
Other than that, it gives us an opportunity, two opportunities to win on the road. We haven't done it yet, so that's a good thing. Ferentz gives a recruiting update. It, it's all everyone that's on our list could say, you know, two months from now, say they're going somewhere else. But I, I think it's going well. As far as I can gauge it, it's just really hard to gauge. And then, you know, we're excited about the response thus far, and you know, I have every reason to think it's going to be okay. You know, time will tell. Kirk was questioned about the team's routine when it's on the road. You know, we leave the building typically here on a Friday if we're home, 5.30 area, and then we get to the hotel and we're kind of locked in and try to simulate the same thing uh, on the road. We shift one meeting, but try to give the guys a little quiet time, but not, not too much, and then just kind of roll like we would if we were in Cedar Rapids. So it's pretty much the same same deal. And Ferentz was asked if the last two to three weeks of the regular season largely define a team. That's certainly part of the story. You know, I think every week's important. And, uh, you know, I guess I would say the same thing uh, that I, I would tell or I do to our team. You know, it's not so much as the winning and losing, but it's just how you go about your business. I think that's uh, and that that's really true all year long. But uh, the schedule changes this time of year. You know, we try to be a little smarter, if you will, or just, to, you know, aware of the, the it's a long season. It's a lot of uh, long grind physically and mentally. So, we, you know, we have a, a pattern that we'll try to follow. Yeah, but but the, at the end of the day, it's just about how we do things, you know, what we do on a daily basis, academically, socially, and, and uh, on the field. And if you're doing things right, there's there's no way to predict what the season's going to be record-wise, but I think over the long haul, you have success, and that's kind of been our guiding light for 13 years. So, yeah, I think, you know, this, this month is really important from that standpoint, just how, how we do things, how we prepare, and then how we compete. Next, we hear from Purdue head coach Danny Hope, who talks about the challenges Iowa presents to his Boilermakers. They present a lot of challenges. They're a very good football team, a very uh, disciplined football team. They do not make many mistakes. They do a great job of taking care of the football. I think they're they're coached extremely well across the line of scrimmage. Their defensive line does a great job of lining up right on time, getting off on a snap, uh, playing physical on, on the line of scrimmage. And I think all of their front seven does a great job with their hands in regards to getting off of blocks. You know, so I think they're salty across the defensive front. Uh, they do not make many mistakes in the back half. Very, very sound uh, defensive football team, very aggressive defensive football team. Uh, offensively, they're very balanced and uh, very productive in all phases. They have a great passing game, a quarterback that's very efficient, doesn't throw many picks, has has a lot of touchdowns and very few uh, interceptions, uh, very impressive quarterback efficiency rating, an outstanding receiver, one of the best receivers in the country, big, fast, athletic, makes plays, a guy that's already caught over a thousand yards worth of passes, and an outstanding running back, big, strong, a physical running back that's already rushed for over a thousand yards. Uh, special teams-wise, they're exceptional in many areas, particularly their punt team. I think they lead the league in the net punting. So uh, they're a disciplined, uh, well-balanced, well-coached, uh, very well-conditioned football team. I don't see any any fat guys on the field at any point in time, and they play hard uh, for four quarters and, and know how to finish strong. So uh, they propose a lot of challenges for our football team. Hope was asked about the play this season of his star defensive lineman, Kawan Short. Uh, Kawan is really coming on strong, and he's made a lot of progress this season as a player. I think he's taken some big steps uh, throughout the course of the season in regards to his game, you know, stepping stepping up and taking it to a different level uh, at, at times. Uh, he can dominate across the line of scrimmage. He has to uh, continue working hard so that he can do it on a more uh, consistent basis. I really feel like he has a you know, t- tremendous upside. Uh, I don't think you've seen 
near the best of what uh, Kawan Short can do. I think he can be a dominant player at his position on a national level. And I think uh, you know the, the more he plays and the, the more confidence that he gains, uh, the, the better that he gets. And uh, I think he's been outstanding so far this season, and I think he can continue to improve. And again, I think he'll be one of the great players at his position on a, on a national level next season. He's certainly one of the top players at his position uh, in our league. You know, very quick hands, very quick feet, and imposing size. It gives a lot of push. A smart football player. He's, he's had a heck of a year, and he's getting better. Hope talks about his quarterback rotation. Caleb Turbush is number one, and Robert Mark is number two. Uh, both of those guys played very well uh, the last game. Uh, you know, Caleb played the majority of the, of, the, of the game in the beginning, and we really got off to a fast start uh, offensively. We didn't have any uh, three and outs in the first half. We were able to go out and manufacture some drives and sustain some drives and, and score some points. So I thought Caleb played really well. When Robert was in there, I thought he brought a lot of energy to the field. Uh, he Obviously, the times that he's played this year, he's been able to manufacture drives and move the offense down the field. I thought his performance in overtime uh, was exciting. And you know, obviously, he brings a lot of big play potential to the field. Uh, so we'll, we're going to play them both. Uh, but we'll start the, today off with Caleb as number one. Uh, that may or may not change throughout the course of the week. I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, both of those guys are ready to play. Both of those guys will help us win this Saturday. Uh, sometimes we go into the game with the idea that we're going to be sure to, to get Robert Marvin in the first half. And I think that's important because sometimes in the second half things can be tight and you may not get him in. So we're going to certainly try to get Robert Marvin the ball game in the first half. It it may be uh, really early in the first half. Uh, we'll kind of play it by ear to see how things are going. But both of those guys are ready to play and both of those guys we know we can win with. And with the Big Ten having six of the top 20 defenses in the nation, Hope was asked if that signals a bit of a shift back to an emphasis on defense. You know, I haven't been around many championship football teams that weren't outstanding on defense. You know, so I don't know if it's a, a change in the times. I think it's always been that way. Maybe more people are, are recognizing it and, and trying to gravitate you know, to, to that direction. Everyone was so infatuated the last several years with the spread offense and trying to see get the 50 points the fastest that maybe people have not emphasized the defensive play enough. But uh, the top teams in our league you know, are the teams that have the best defenses. The dominant defensive football teams are the ones that are closest to winning championships. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. Looking ahead to the Purdue game, following the blowout loss to Michigan State last Saturday in Kinnick Stadium, Iowa travels to West Lafayette this Saturday. The Boilermakers are coming off a huge overtime victory over Ohio State and, historically, have always been tough against the Hawkeyes. Iowa is now 6-4 overall, 3-3 in the Big Ten. Purdue is 5-5 overall and also 3-3 in conference play. The Boilermakers have had a tougher schedule than Iowa, with four of their losses coming 
coming against ranked foes Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan, and Notre Dame. This is the 81st meeting between the two schools. Purdue leads the all-time series 45-32-3 and also leads in games played at Ross-Ade Stadium 27-13-1. However, the Hawkeyes have won four of the last five contests. Iowa's last win in West Lafayette came in 2005. Purdue's last victory, also at home, was in 2007. Kirk Ferentz is in his 13th year as Iowa head coach. He is 95-64 and 64 at Iowa. He's 4-3 versus Purdue. Boilermakers head coach Danny Hope is in his third year at Purdue, where he is 14-20. His career record as a head coach is 49-42, and, and he's not yet coached a game against Iowa. Our Reporter's Notebook this week features Mark Morehouse. You can read Mark's articles in the Gazette and online at thegazette.com. You can also follow Mark on Twitter, at Mark Morehouse. Mark takes a last look at the Michigan State game, and he previews Iowa at Purdue. Mark, any lingering thoughts about the Michigan State loss? I think Michigan State, I think their success it has had this year shows that Michigan State isn't going away. I think that... Uh, now you tell me what you think, but uh, I think D'Antonio is kind of Michigan State's parents. I mean, they're here to stay now for a while, and I was going to have to deal with him every year in the Legends division. So I think Michigan's here to, Michigan State's here to stay, and I think that uh, Iowa has grown another rivalry. Uh, just a little more weirdness last week. It's a double reverse pass from uh, Keyshawn Martin to the tight end and then the fake field goal. And then uh, the players swapping around the fourth quarter, the third late into third and fourth quarter. I think this thing continues to grow. I guess degrees of vitriol, and uh, and we're not even to recruiting season yet, really. So uh, yeah, these these two teams are going to be out to get each other for a while. It's going to be. I think the winners are are us. You know, people get to watch it because it's a physical game. Two teams that play similar styles and two teams that clearly have an agenda with each other. Yeah, the dislike between the two staffs is is almost palpable. And the flopping, alleged flopping that was going on, really kind of only contributes to a reputation Michigan State's getting around the conference. Maybe, but, uh, you know, I think, and I've said, uh, I I think I've been saying this for a while, but uh, I believe that if if D'Antonio were Iowa's coach, the fans would love him. He's the type of coach I think if you're with him, you love him because he's your crazy mad genius who is kind of weird and bitter but kind of funny a little bit too and he actually I think he's very good with the press for the most part I mean he's pretty reserved but he can he breaks character occasionally I think if he were your coach you'd love him but he's not your coach and so you do not and there's good reason to not love him too because flopping and uh, some of the underhandedness in recruiting which I think is a real issue here which I think is is just going to be ongoing because these two teams will run into each other in in hotel breakfast areas and and, uh, living rooms all over the Midwest because they're going to the same places to get similar players who play similar systems. So I think this is just going to grow. Whatever else is clear, this team, this Iowa team now, really Mm -hmm. can't afford to, it can't overcome multiple turnovers, it can't really give its opponent consistently good field position, and both of those were major problems last Saturday. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of like you now, I'm kind of done picking, trying to find the eureka moment for this team, or the big great six, I think this team is what it is. It's fairly inconsistent on offense. The, the interior trio on the offensive line is terribly inconsistent. Uh, the running game 
does not stand up against, did not stand up against the two really big tests in the Big Ten this year, Penn State and Michigan State. Uh, I'm not sure what Nebraska will present it. I'm not sure what Purdue will present. Purdue will present it a decent uh, inside uh, threat with uh, Kwan Short. But uh, this team uh, on defense, it's, it's been and breaking a little too much this year. Uh, it's not a disruptive defense. All the, all the disruption numbers, which I would say are interceptions, sacks, fumbles, uh, tackles for loss, they're all at, they're all heading toward five-year lows. Iowa had seven interceptions this year. Uh, last year, when Iowa went eight and five, they had 19 interceptions. Seven interceptions will be, if it doesn't get to nine, it will be the lowest since 2000. So. Uh, this is not a disruptive defense. Uh, it, it, it is what it is at this point. One thing I think that drives us going into this weekend at Purdue is trying to get that silly road record off its chest. Because if it loses this week on the road, that's six in a row in the regular season. If they lose next week, that's seven in a row, and then they've got that hanging over their head going into next season. And it'll be something that everybody sort of picks up on and kind of drags on and eventually leak out to Sports Center, and then it's something that. It's uh, the first thing you think of when you think of Iowa is not winning on the road. Big motivator this week. Since last Saturday was Senior Day, before we talk about Purdue, what's your sense of the contribution of the senior classes made to Iowa? It's not one of the bigger ones, at least the remaining players. And it has Martin McNutt, and that's good enough. Greatest wide receiver in Iowa history. He, he is the senior that uh, you'll probably remember from this class. Sean Prater is very good. Uh, first team all Big Ten corner last year. His performance has gone down this year. You probably remember him, though, for being all Big Ten. Trying on non-blanking and son. And Bernstein has come on a bit. Bernstein, I don't think he's one you remember out of this class because he's just not been a great career. And it's been an okay fifth-year senior year. Broderick Benz, remember, just for being a, a great sophomore year, uh, a disappearing act junior year. And he's, he's been a leader and he's been a, a good player as, as a senior. Mike Daniels another guy I remember who... Uh, one of those self-made type of players that uh, I think everybody sort of likes and gravitates to. After that, it gets you know, it can get slim. Uh, I think that uh, you remember that this class was in on the ground floor for the 2019, which uh, sort of I, I didn't win a Big Ten title in 2019, but it was that caliber. So uh, you know, this class has a little bit of stripes to it. It did, it's not going out the way it wants to, though. Obviously, and I think it, you know kind of a last stand type of deal for do this week. I think if Iowa can squeeze out seven and five, you know, or eight and six, eight and four, that's a huge year for this class, especially where, you know, with the with the inconsistency and the uh, up and down nature of the team. Dijon, did you know this team is three and after losses this year? Tells me that uh, it's still fighting. I think it's a great stat, but uh, you know, there's too many three three and is just too many times having to come back from loss. Turning to Purdue, I'm a bit older than you. It seems like, as far back as I can remember, Iowa's always had its struggles against the Boilermakers. And Purdue's coming off a big overtime win over Ohio State, and they're just one win away from bowl eligibility. And they've probably played a tougher schedule so far than Iowa has. Uh, What's your overall sense of Purdue? I think you're right. I think they have played a tougher schedule. I think if you look at look for quality wins, I think the Ohio State game and Iowa's win over Michigan are you know comparable. I think Purdue is still a team that is most a lot of teams can run on. They've given up over 300 yards this year twice. I granted one of those was against Wisconsin, which puts 300 yards on the Steelers. So I think that the Purdue has had its moments. I think that last week was was it a turning point? Was it a, a corner turn to this team? 
Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure about um, Robert Barr. I mean, he's had two ACLs. He kind of saved the day last week. Can he do it again? I think uh, Caleb Turbush is a decent quarterback. He can do. He'll be able to do some damage against Iowa. But I think this, this Purdue team is. There are a couple of factors that it's really playing for this week. And he brought the bowl. I think this is, this will be their first bowl eligibility since 2007. I think it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with uh, bowl eligibility and Danny Hope keeping his job. Uh, I think that, that those two kind of go together. Uh, there, there's been noise about uh, Hope and his job status at Purdue all season. We'll see. I, I think, though, that uh, uh, bowl eligibility will help smooth that over pretty well. I think they're a team that likes his head coach. I mean, he, he seems like a guy who's you know, sort of a straight shooter type of guy. Kind of, I, I kind of believe him as major dad, just the way he sounds. But uh, uh, I think Purdue, I think Purdue is a lot of the end can in the board for this weekend. But I, I still, I like the Hawkeyes in this one. A lot of talk about Kawan Short, the Purdue junior defensive lineman, has been Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week twice in the past four weeks. Yeah, he's a dynamo, uh, 6'3", 310 pounds. He's, I, I think he's maybe just a half a step below Darrell Worthy, where we dominated Iowa last week for Michigan State. I think he's, you know, there are four premier tackles in the Big Ten. I think Short is probably number four. Uh, I, I like a lot of what he does. He's very disruptive. Three sacks last week against, uh, say what you want about Ohio State, I mean, they have a quarterback who's, you know, in Tim Tebow, sort of a school of completing passes, not very much. Uh, and that that ended up with uh, Purdue being able to uh, the run with nine guys in the box. So that was that was a difference maker. But you still look at the, I think Ohio State still has a really good offensive line. And you know, Short came up with three sacks last week from the tackle position. I think that's a big deal. I think he's going to have to, you know, it brought up the uh, Iowa's interior line earlier. Huge, another huge test for them, and they've not passed very many this year. You just mentioned them a moment ago. It's sort of an interesting storyline all season out of Purdue is their quarterback situation with both Terbush and Marv. Talk about what Iowa fans can expect to see out of Purdue's offense versus Iowa's defense. Yeah, I think this is going to be the ultimate test in Ben Don't Break. Uh, Purdue is a no-huddle spread offense, which has, will haunt Iowa for as long as Iowa is Iowa, I think, based on their parents. Iowa does not uh, tread this water very well, and Purdue was running it at a very fast pace last week. Great tempo. I think if it keeps up that play, that uh, one play every 12 seconds, I think that's something that's going to give Iowa fits. I think you'll hear the word uh, broken contain, or that phrase broken contain quite a bit this week. Uh, Purdue attacks the edges very well. I think they're going to gain yards. I think Purdue's uh, built that way. I think that Bolden and Shaver are both Decent running backs. They're, after, they're neither of them is dominant. No one's no one stolen all the carries, but they're both averaging about four, four and a half yards a carry, which is good enough to win in the Big Ten. Octavian, uh, uh, they have a wide receiver, Octavian Edison, I think. He does a lot for them. Justin Filler, they've used the used Filler, they've used Filler as a uh, Wildcat quarterback. So their coordinator Gary Nord is uh, not afraid to go multiple. I mean, very, very multiple. So. You'll see there'll be a lot of looks. I'm not sure I will be able to uh, pin its uh, hopes on stopping any one thing. I think this is going to be ultimate end-on-break Iowa, and you just hope, you know, fans hope that there's just not that much 
That's one too many breaks because it's all going to take it on the road for Iowa. Last week, you talked about how it would be an, if Iowa were going to win that Michigan State game, it would have to be the offense really carrying the day again. And we saw James Vandenberg have one of those games where it looked like for whatever reason, every pass was just six inches or a foot off or two feet in a couple of cases. And, and they just weren't able to sustain drives and put up the number of points they needed to. What do you think? Iowa's offense will try to do against Purdue. How are they going to match up? I think Iowa would like to try to run against Purdue, and I think it should be able to just because last week Purdue was able to put nine guys in the box against a quarterback that complete passes. Sandberg will complete passes. He will keep the offense or the defense honest. I think that the more balanced Iowa can be, though, the better off it's going to be. And I think Vandenberg will rebound. I think last week, if you saw, you know, the wind factored into into how he played, he was inaccurate, uh, and, he, and he said that this week he needs to tie that up. I think also he didn't admit to happy feet. I asked him straight out about it. Didn't uh, didn't like that term very much, but you know what quarterback would. Uh, I think he was feeling the pressure a little bit, and you know what, he, the, the whole offense needs to feel the pressure better. Uh, that starts with, you know, not only quarterback, but he, uh, wide receivers need to read hot routes, and the offensive linemen and, and the blocking back need to do their jobs too. So, yeah, I think the pressure and, and affected Vandenberg's accuracy. I think look on him now, I'm a big team defensive coordinator. I'm thinking, I want this. I don't want this kid setting his feet. I don't want this kid making a comfortable throw because he will beat me if I, if I allow that to happen. So I think Purdue tries to get at him. I think Purdue tries to run some blitz. Uh, but I think Vandenberg ultimately is a difference in this game. I think he uh, he moves the ball. He keeps Purdue honest. And uh, Iowa obviously has a running game to make Purdue pay. It's been an ongoing conversation you and I have had and many other people have had. And it seems to be growing even more this past week, the argument over whether McCall is ever going to see the field or whether he should be redshirted at this point in the season. Uh, what's your take on Iowa's running back situation? Is it going to be pretty much all Coker all the time? You know, I don't know. Uh, Ferentz in the radio show last night said uh, he, they plan to play him. But he's been saying that since Minnesota, so who knows? Now I think it's now it's the point now where is it worth it to play him? I think that's a legitimate question. Two games on the road that are no championship is really involved. I mean, I was down to single digits. He's even that to end up in Indy. It's not in their, it's not in their power to end up in Indy. So a whole bunch of other stuff has to tumble. It's not realistic. So why play him the next two weeks? Aaron said last night in the radio show that uh, he feels we better off. You know, gain valuable experience and launch him in next year. That makes sense. But also, you know. I think he probably still gets his medical hardship waiver because he has followed the two main guidelines. I will, I think I will work and probably, you know, be able to prove that, you know, no matter what parents have said, I mean, there's a reason why they're not playing them and, it, you know, they could probably play it off as the injury to the group, to the Big Ten committee that decides on medical hardship waiver. So I think that's still out there for him. Right now, I don't. I do not think it's worth it to play him the next two games. He's got Coker with uh, 232 carries. He said this week he's a little banged up, but he's nothing terrible. Uh, he seems better. Saturday he seemed awful. Uh, he seemed uh, out of it. Saturday, Tuesday he seemed much better. Two, he had 232 carries this year, though. That's already tied for seventh all, all time for Iowa for a season. So if he gets around 300 carries it's going to be uh, you're going to be testing the upper limits of this kid's endurance key uh, players offensively and defensively for Iowa you already mentioned Vandenberg yeah I think Vandenberg has to rebound and be clean this week and uh, uh, move chains I think also though along with that 
I think in this game, Purdue has a very good corner in Ricardo Allen, and Iowa obviously has a very good wide receiver in Mark McNutt. I think that matchup might be the difference in the game. I mean, I hate to say, you know, put too, too much weight on a wide receiver and see his back in a, in a game of football, but McNutt has been everything for this offense the last two weeks, or five weeks, actually. He's a, he has, uh, I think he's outgained the rest of the, the passing game in the last five weeks. He's, the numbers are very comfortable. I mean, it's almost right down the middle. Uh, this is as close as I've seen in a while to an offense in Iowa since well, Sean Green. Sean Green, he, you know, he was the 2008 offense. They piled everything on him. This is as close as I've come to a wide receiver, seeing a wide receiver be this prominent and this much of a game plan in the Terrence era. And uh, I think Marvin is uh, is key. And I think they have to get Marvin working Saturday. I'm not uh, Keenan. He's got the ankle thing. I'm not sure where he'll be, if he'll be able to be on the field. Last time he screwed up his ankle, he was not on the field. And then uh, Kevontae Martin-Manley during Big Ten play has completely disappeared. So a lot of things on the up this week. And then he's going to have a tough matchup with Ricardo Allen. On defense, I think it's hard to say. I think the what was the worst unit last week? I think, again, you have to go toward the defensive line. I'm not sure if there's any one guy who can turn this or make it count. You know, last week, Mike Daniels left the game for a little while with an ankle. He's just fighting through an ankle and a knee, I believe, as Dolphin said in the radio. So he's fighting through some lower leg issues. I don't know. I don't, I, I'm don't. Well, i reluctant to bring up a guy on defense. I just think uh, all 11 of them need to come together and just uh, really bend, 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 but don't break as much as uh, it had. He did last week. If I had to pick a guy, probably about time Sean Prater and really have a big game. I'm not sure Purdue will throw his way or very much, but uh, it'd be, I think Prater would love to have that type of game because, you know, he's got, he's got serious NFL aspirations, and I think he's looking for good film, and he only has three more chances in an Iowa uniform. Also, I, you know, I, right along there, I think the entire special teams needs to be better uh, if Iowa comes out and plays anywhere near the way they did against Michigan State on special teams at the loss. Yeah, I was going to mention that. It, it seems like it's a key issue. Marv Cook talks about it in his segment this week, too. The inability of Mike Meyer to kick off deep. He's only had two touchbacks the entire season. And that's among the worst in the country. Now, he's gotten to the end zone before. I don't know a lot this year, but he's got it to the end zone. Teams have run it out because it goes hand-in-hand. Hand. Short kickoffs against a kick-return coverage that is not very good. I mean, average at best, and is prone to give up the big, not you know, not the home run, but few position. I think a lot of special teams thinking around the Big Ten is attack, attack Iowa, attack Iowa's kick coverage. Um, it's just not been right all year. And then last week, uh, punt coverage. Um, Iowa spent a, they had to punt out of the end zone. They spent a lot of uh, resource and time blocking for Eric Guthrie. That ended up in a 20-yard uh, return that ended up being a touchdown toward the end of the first half. So Micah Hyde letting the ball go over his head and, and being down to two also led to a, a, a first-half demise. I mean, a bunch of little special teams things that was uh, culminated by the blocked field goal from 50, just 50 yards uh, with the wind to his back. So plenty of complaints from the special teams. I don't see that getting better this year. I think that's uh, next year it has a shot because then we'll have two classes of true freshmen who've played them a lot. You just hope at that time that there's some growth, some experience, and some, uh, some spark there because it really, you know, it's special teams is, is at best a push. And when you're like Iowa and you have a defense the way that's, that is what it's the way it is this year, 
and an offense that's inconsistent. Special teams, if you're going to win, it has to be a plus. It hasn't been enough this year. Yeah, you know, sort of one of the real oddities from the Michigan State game, and earlier I believe it was the Indiana game, where the other time where we had the really strong wind out of the south-southwest at Kinnick, it seemed like in both of those games, Eric Guthrie, who overall has been pretty good this year, struggled punting with the wind. He was better kicking into the wind. Uh, that one out of the end zone last week, there was a 51-yarder, and I thought that was a pretty, that was a very impressive effort, uh, especially given the fact that it was so deep in the end zone. But you're right, I noticed that more against Indiana, I guess, than I did last week, but his ball into the, with the windows back seems to be a little bit lower. Now, I know that's kind of pick and miss because I think Eric Gustard overall has been a plus this year for Iowa. Uh, I think he's been one of the few consistent performers on special teams. Uh, they've got a lot of worse worries. But in this game, Purdue, it's open on one end. It's a bowl, but it's open on one end, and the wind can be a factor. kind of reminds me of uh, Iowa State a little bit, at least the field. And, uh, you know, if the wind's howling, Purdue's got the plus. Purdue's got very good punter. I like him in his name, Cody something. And then uh, the kicker, Carson Wiggs, is also a punter. He's sort of the pooch punter. He's, he's got 15 balls uh, down inside opponent's 20s this year. That's amazing. And then uh, he, he kicked the ball not only out of the end zone, but out of the stadium. So uh, Iowa probably won't get a chance to return too many kicks. Any thoughts about one of the few games Iowa plays on natural grass? Seems like the, this team has a little more speed, really takes advantage of the field turf. I don't know. I think uh, I think it's kind of a push. Although last week I did watch the Purdue-Ohio uh, State game, a lot of slipping and a lot of uh, turf flying up in the air. And I, I believe this is the end of the life cycle for this turf, so I'm sure the splitting will... I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was somewhat of a factor Saturday. Prediction? Uh, I'm picking Iowa, 31-27. I know it didn't sound like it there, but uh, <laughs> I think Iowa has enough offense to get by. I think uh, Vanderberg has the potential to play a clean game and move the ball. I think Marvin against Ricardo Allen is a huge deal. This there is a, if there is a 50-50 battle there, Iowa's going to have to grow a tight end pretty quickly. I'm not sure if Fedora was played. He had the concussion last week. Uh, I just think Iowa can be balanced. I think that gives it a chance to win. I think it gives uh, Iowa's offense a chance to keep Purdue's offense off the field, and I think that'll be a big deal, too. Do you think Iowa has to win this game, assuming it loses at Nebraska, to really lock in a bowl berth? Uh, yeah, uh, seven win by Iowa team is going probably to the Gator Bowl, if, depending on how far Penn State drops. A six win Iowa team is in a little bit of trouble if Illinois wins one more uh, and ends up seven and five, and if uh, Purdue wins two more, which it could, Purdue could end up seven and five easily if they beat Iowa and Indiana. And it will beat Indiana, and then Northwestern. They will be they if they win Saturday. I think they will. They're playing Minnesota Saturday. They should win, so they'll be six and five. They'll be bowl bound two. I don't see Northwestern getting a 7-5. I believe they play at Michigan State at the end of the year. So I think if Northwestern happened to go 7-5, Iowa would be in trouble for a bowl. Three 7-5 three teams would go ahead of Iowa no matter how many fans Iowa brings. So we'll see. I think Iowa's in a bowl game. Uh, I think seven wins is better, and I think seven wins could potentially get Iowa to the Gator Bowl. All right, I'm out of here. Uh, I hear that Asteroids machine calling my name from the game room. So peace.
Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. Also, check out the game photos and video highlights of Iowa games, other Big Ten action, and teams across the country. Just click on the video tab. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette and the Hawkeye. And listen to Brent Balbinot on Hawkeyes Mike and on the Balbinot and Brommel Camp Show weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM AM 1600, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. Postgame show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Hawkeye's Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Special thanks to the Gazette's Mark Morehouse, not only for this week, but for his participation and insight all season. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard in our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.